0: This is Coda Radio, episode five hundred and eleven for March twenty seventh, twenty twenty three. Hey, friend! Welcome into Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and the business of software development and the whole dang world of technology. My name is Chris, and joining me every single week in his five eleven tactical pants for our five hundred eleventh
1: episode. It's our host, Mr. Dominic. Hello, Mike. Hello, Chris. And I just have to start the show and say that Wes is such a gentleman. He got me right into the Matrix. Already?
0: Already. Wow. So that is some fast turnaround. You submit a problem during the, the during the intro, and it's solved before the intro's over of the show. I feel like How Wes that? knows
1: that passwords, <laughs> dates, times, and places are just not my area. <laughs> and kind of has a little like thing on his desktop. Stuff Mike forgets here yeah. <laughs> you should probably just automate it at this point right just get a little script get alice to be like here idiot here's your password
0: you know there is something about just really being honest with yourself with what you're not good at and then asking yourself can i come up with systems like i have realized i thought i was good at taking notes and i i slack, i have slacked off over the last couple of years and my memory just doesn't hold up small little details I really noticed it when I started working on the cars, and then I needed to know, like, you know, what specific engine each car has, and all of that. And I just can't, I can't seem to recall it. I can hold it for a day or two, and then it's gone. And so, uh, I've gotten deep into Joplin recently. I don't know if you've ever used it, but it's kind of like an Evernote alternative. No, I haven't. Yeah, I'm using Joplin to kind of try to track all these types of little things that you always have to look up over and over again. I'm not saying you should use that for passwords. It's a different thing, but. It's a funny thing. Like I've had to admit, there's just some stuff. Names. I'm horrible with names too, as you might have As you might have noticed, Larry. Okay, Jim. <laughs> All right. Well, we got a couple of good emails this week. I really appreciate. People took notice that I was uh, kvetching last week about a lack of emails, and we, people really stepped up. So thank you. Um, appreciate that, and please do keep them coming. Coder.show slash contact. Star Fractical wrote in. Uh, On the topic of the slow downfall of Apple and the Mac, which we touched on when we played uh, a clip last week, and they write, as part of my job, I require the use of a local virtual machine for hardware testing. It's Mm -hmm. difficult to plug a USB device into the cloud after all. My go-to has been Windows, but recently I started using Microsoft Office as part of changing jobs, and it's been the most painful experience on Windows. Colleagues would share their screen and I'd see the glory of using Office apps on the Mac. They appear to be somewhat recently rewritten. I'm adding somewhat. Uh, No cruft applications. They just let you get work done. I was almost about to make the switch to the Mac when we needed to use a Linux VM to do some local development. And my colleagues that were using the Mac couldn't do it. Why, you ask? Well, our VPN software is not available in a compatible architecture that will run in a Linux VM on a Mac host. (laughs) This small crack. I feel, will continue to grow for tech people on the Mac. Everyone talks about the cloud, but they kind of seem to forget there are sectors of IT that require some physical connection, and the mismatch of hardware and architecture is a real thing. Love the show. Congrats on blasting past 500. Yeah. Yeah, the architecture mismatch problem is real. It is. It's, it's,
1: ugh, they've, I, I, yeah. You know, I'd like to say that I think they're going to backpedal, but I don't think they are. I think we're just. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah this yeah. is where we live now.
0: I would love to see um, the ability to use Rosetta to maybe run a VM or a container. Mm. Like what if Rosetta could run x86 containers as well as it runs x86 applications
1: on the Mac? Well, You know, that might not be out of the question, right?
0: Yeah. You know, and it's, if it was some kind of API that Docker Desktop doc, Docker Desktop could just integrate into, right? That would be fantastic. It's the Rosetta translation API, and uh, you know, somehow the Docker runtime could just tap into that. The VM situation on the Mac has both gotten better in some regards, like definitely better in terms of OS integration. Apple specifically developing. Hypervisor compatible drivers, um, those types of developments I think have been extremely positive for VMs on the Mac. But where Apple, where Apple always giveth, <laughs> Apple always taketh away. And uh, <laughs> they taketh away with this architecture change. For the good that it brings, it also has that downside. And I also agree that there's always inevitably these little cracks in using the Mac in IT. When you're really getting down into the dirty, it generally just doesn't deliver. Um, and when you're a few layers up, it tends to be fine. So it just kind of depends where you're at in the stack, and I really look at it as different tools, right? Yeah. And I think that's how it goes. So Anonymous, who is a dark matter developer in Phoenix, wrote in, and I thought this was really interesting. Really appreciated them being willing to share this with us. Hi, Chris and Mike. I've been listening since episode one, and I'm currently listening to episode 507 with the conversation about Ford's upcoming auto repossession. I'm a dark matter web developer for a company that provides GPS devices and a web app to subprime auto lenders. Do I know the harm that is caused by the products that I help build? Yes. The problem is I have, I have is that the company treats me well. I get paid well. Basically, it's really comfortable here. There's also the thought that if I don't do the work, they'll just find someone else who will. And the mindset instilled in some of my coworkers is that We're actually helping the impoverished people by allowing them to get a car when they otherwise wouldn't be able to. But at a 30% repo rate, that just isn't true. On a similar note, do you use a credit card? Do you keep it paid off at the end of every month as to not carry a balance? Do you take the rewards that are offered by that card? The rewards are paid by other people's interests and fees. Capitalism will always find a way to keep the rich richer, the poor poorer, and the middle happy enough to stay quiet about what the rich are doing to the poor. <laughs> Keep up the great show. So this is a this is complex, right? Because they're kind of working on the earlier version of what Ford has patented, this auto repossession system, right? They're working on GPS tracking that the lender can use to repo these, uh, you know, so they can just send a repo man out with a tow truck to go pick it up and they know right where the car's at. And they're building the web app to help, you know, bridge the loans, the loan people and the, and the repo people and track all of that. That's a tricky thing. I'm trying to put myself in that position.
1: You know, it's a tough thing. I mean, I would say with, well, this is not like a new dilemma, right? Anybody doing any kind of like military work, or government work has the same problems. These can be used for good things. These can be used for bad things. And in a lot of cases, it's uh, more incompetence is really the thing you got to be scared of just like stupid things. Like I know it sounds silly, but I will bet my hat that one day a Ford repo car is going to repo itself on accident in error. Yeah. And that's like it's a funny story six months later at the pub, but it's going to be super irritating and possibly dangerous, right? If you also happen to simultaneously have a medical emergency or something like that. No kidding. Yeah, but but to our Anon dude here in Arizona, I would not like, yeah, no one's saying quit your job, right? I think that's silly. I mean, we can take make this less physical. Like, the folks who are working on Instagram didn't intend to, you know, mess with teenage girls' is, uh, self-esteem and head, as they so clearly have. But, you know, it happens, and there are unintended consequences to everything.
0: Yeah. And, I, you know, we may, again, we may never see Ford actually ship the self-repo. It is Ford, so they could just mess it up. Like, there, there's that. It does, But, w- you know, when we get Anonymous's letter here about how, you know, in current, today, out in the market, we have these GPS devices that are being controlled by lenders and, and repo people that get access to a dashboard and all that. Um, it makes me think if the technology exists, some car vendor will do it. It's just it, it seems inevitable in our society that if we have the capability, technologically, if we have self driving, we have the ability to connect the banks and the repo people, uh, and and the car maker. Uh, we're already doing it. It just is another layer that would sit on top of this. So it doesn't seem like that Ford patent is actually that implausible <laughs> anymore. It's just the self driving part they got to work out. Hopefully, they never figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Colin has an example of maybe how some companies could set up some open source funding on their own. He writes, Hey guys, uh, at my work, Rocket Mortgage, they just announced that they're going to donate a thousand dollars a month to open source projects. It's kind of cool too, because they're going to leave it up to the dev team to decide which projects the donations go to each month. I don't agree with everything my company does, but I thought this was pretty awesome. Hopefully it's something that catches on. Thanks for everything. Love the show. That's really great to see. That is super cool. That is. I definitely tried to do something like this for a bit at Linux Academy. And that's where I get on my soapbox and my high horse at the same time when I talk about how hard some damn devs are to pay. I mean, it is a real problem, Colin. So I'd be curious to know a little bit of follow up down the road, how that goes, because what you're going to get in a lot of cases is you're either going to get, can you can you do PayPal or you're going to get I don't do PayPal. Uh, So some companies just refuse to use PayPal because, you know, it's not businessy. Um, and then you're going to get, can you know, can you do a wire transfer? There's going to be all these different ways and methods. Each individual developer is going to want to get paid. And so that is tricky because you got to get the accounting folks on board with what what this initiative is and why we're doing it and why it's worth them changing their standard practices and requiring somebody on their team to learn something new and a new process for this initiative. You got to make it worth you got to make it, re- you got to make them realize why it's worth their time. That was a big challenge I ran into is I had leadership on board. I was on board. We all thought it was a great idea. And then when it came down to it and we, and the developers, you know, it became this back and forth thing over email that eventually we had to loop in accounting and accounting just didn't want to play around. They just didn't have time for it. You know, you're a vendor, you know, it is, you know, send us a PO and we'll send you, a, you know, a, a check or something, you know? <laughs> Yeah, so
1: good luck, Colin. I think it's a great initiative, and I'd love to know how it goes. I have a quick question on that. So, it, it, is the horse standing on the soapbox, and you're riding the horse? Yeah, totes. Yeah,
0: like okay. kind of like a yeah, kind of like a Civil War hero, maybe. You know, I got a great jacket on, crazy hair going on with but, but with a great hat too.
1: I'm assuming your facial hair situation is just glorious.
0: Yeah, dude, and there's a bit of a breeze, so it's kind of just like blown in the wind. So is the horse tail.
1: Yeah, it's it's pretty nice. I can't. Now I have to go to one of those generative AIs and be like, Chris Fisher as Civil War Confederate Cavalry General. Go. Could you imagine if somebody just
0: so first you run the show through Whisper and then you throw that into like stable diffusion and just have stable diffusion auto generate images for each chapter? And then uh, using Cloud Chapters, we could just have that stable diffusion image displayed automatically. It's going to be the future, Mike.
1: And then we just wait for the tweets to roll in. I can't believe you two are (laughs) confederates. Goddamn. (laughs) Linode.com slash coder. Go
0: there to get $100 in 60-day credit on a new account. And it's a great way to support the show while you're checking out a cloud that was built for developers. You should try it for your next project. It's what we use for everything that we build or have built for like the last three plus years now, it has really been kind of a secret sauce because we're a small whippersnapper of a business. But we have access to the same infrastructure the big dogs do. And Linode has pricing that'll scale with you. They have a concept of nanodes that are like these mission purpose MVP systems, perfect for like a portfolio, a blog, a status page, something that's checking on a system, uh, You know, maybe a small instance for yourself for notes, source code management, et cetera, right? They got these nanodes. They're ridiculously priced. They're just so cheap. It's great. And as you scale up, they handle it gracefully. I started with a really small system and built it up as demand needed, and I was blown away with backups all along the way, taking snapshots, really having a good grasp on the state of my system and the state of my application. Linode is fast, reliable cloud hosting. And Linode is always rolling out upgrades. I mean, some of my systems just keep getting better. Even though I haven't switched rigs, they just have replaced parts and made them faster, like MVME storage, faster RAM, faster processors. They are their own ISP. And they're turning it up past 11 because they've already got 11 data centers this year. And they're rolling out more than a dozen new Linode data centers all around the world. Great performance, great interface, great reliability, and fantastic support. Those are just some of the options I choose Linode. I also really appreciate the simplicity for some of the systems I need. I don't need a lot of complexities of the hyperscalers with their crazy esoteric language that tries to lock me in. I want to get in, get access to the system when I need it, and deploy applications fast. And Linode makes it affordable simple, and accessible to deploy and manage your projects or your customers' projects, and Linode does it for a better price and better performance than anyone else. Go try it out. Go get that $100 and kick the tires for yourself and see if it's true. I think you're going to be really impressed. We love Linode, and I think you will, too. Try it out at linode.com slash coder. You get the 100 bucks, you can support the show, and you get to try out Linode. That's a win. You can just stack some Ws right there. Linode.com/coder coder So you behind the scenes for over 90 days have been working with a secret assistant. It's brand new. Nobody's heard of it. It's going to be a huge deal once people find out about this co-pilot thing. So why don't you tell us how it's
1: gone? I prefer to call it my secret squirrel.
0: Right? Oh, okay. But it guys, is a little
1: squirrely. I have been for 90 days, or actually more than 90 days. I just decided Math is hard. Um, Working with Copilot, trying, kind of messing with it in various forms, trying it on some internal stuff. And I have many thoughts. Uh, I am now a paying Copilot customer. Okay. So let's just start right right there. And I have been for a while. Remind me what the cost of that is. Uh, I don't think it's a lot. I think it's like maybe 30 bucks a month or something. I thought it was like nine something. Okay. All right. Uh, well, we could just look that up. I mean, we, chat room, figure it out. It's not that much. Yeah,
0: <laughs> do us a favor, chat room.
1: <laughs> it's based on Chat GPT, GPT, which I still can't say. Version three, which is the fancy, spancy Chat GPT, except for the new fancy, spancy one that just came out, GPT four. So right off the bat, our jobs are safe. Uh, it is not going to replace anytime soon you know, full-time software developers. It just can't do it. But it's not just a toy. This isn't just like the dumb demo they do on their site where it's like, I generated a... I don't know. I think it's like a React widget or something, a React component. It really can be helpful. I have sort of found it helpful less as the write my code for me and more as the spot my stupid mistakes before I have to, like, recompile this and, you know, do it by hand. Um. IP concerns may or may not exist. I have heard the argument, I think that's a tough sell, because um, then Stack Overflow should have the same IP concern when people just copy the things out of there. I don't know. Not a lawyer. <laughs> I, I sort of I, – I find all uh, most, if not all, of those arguments to be pretty shallow given that I have never met a developer who hasn't once, you know, control seed and control V off of Stack Overflow. Be that what it may, right? Is it the future of AI and automation? Copilot? You know, I think it kind of is. And I've been going down this kind of broader path of, well, what is AI? What do I think it's going to be good for? And the idea of, and the name's perfect, Copilot, as AI as your, well, helper, right? Your Copilot, rather than the machines are going to replace us seems to be, to me, a pretty logical way for this to go. I'm
0: really glad you said that, because I think Microsoft deserves a lot of the credit for this co-pilot naming scheme. And Satya Nadella, when they were presenting the co-pilot integration for Office 365, I think brilliantly framed it. And I think this is how Microsoft is going to try to pitch this. And it seems so harmless. They'll say, this is what he says. This is what Satya said he said. For years now, we have been using AI behind the scenes in an automated fashion, you know, surfacing social media posts, figuring out which videos to watch, managing spam. You know, they, he lists off, he kind of rattles off several automated use cases for AI behind the scenes. And he says that, he, that Microsoft sees this as a transition from using AI on autopilot to using AI as a copilot. And so they're using the terminology co-pilot to kind of imply that it's it's secondary to the to the main pilot which is you and it's there to help but it shouldn't take the wheel. And it also phrases it in a way that sets expectations, I think that it doesn't have to be 100% perfect. And it's kind of a brilliant framing. And I think it's really incredible that it was Microsoft that came up with such a smooth, slick naming convention for something like this, because they typically botch this kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, the, the marketing side of it is super interesting, right? It's, uh, you know, it, it really contrasts kind of with the way Google used to do at every IO their, their AI demonstration. Where it's like, it's going to make your dinner reservation for you. But you'll never, ever actually see this in the wild. Sorry, right? It, it, it This is kind of the tack that Microsoft is taking, even with their office uh assistive technology stuff right Their ai stuff which is also based on uh open ai right and i think that's the more realistic take on this whole thing like you know we i know you and i both listen to all the other tech shows or at least most of them and there's a lot of like hand wringing about you know they're gonna take our jobs the ai is gonna consume everything and I, it's just not going to at least not in the near future is it gonna change things slightly sure
0: so i guess that's what i'm surprised by. I'm surprised that you find it valuable enough that you're willing to keep paying for it. And I'm wondering if I'm also getting to that threshold, but I'd like to dig into exactly what it is. Is it, is it saving you time ultimately? Is it, is it because it can sometimes catch something or it can save you time having to do like a process of elimination?
1: Uh, it, yeah, it's, it's stuff like that. It's really one of the features I find most useful is like, here's a function generated test. That is super, you know, especially in like your looser languages, like a Ruby, that I found super useful because uh, this is a little controversial, but a lot of the, quote, unit test coverage that you end up writing for things like Ruby are really just type checking, right? Like you're, you're writing a test.
0: I've used it to generate some YAML examples for me. And I go and I change essentially the details, but it structures the YAML. And the basic points that I need for for anything, from like a Docker Compose file to uh, a Home Assistant automation, it knows the whole range and can produce example YAML files for me that just need slight modification. And I just thought that was a nice time saver. Uh, I have been pretty impressed by the Bing bot as well. I had to do Edge and all that like I griped about recently. But it seems even faster. It's up more of the time. And it seems a little briefer. It doesn't try to impress you as much with its uh, verbosity like like the chat GPT at OpenAI does. Um, but I find the bots useful for getting to the root of an issue. And you still have to go check everything, but you can ask them for their references and, for the most part, and you, you get at least somewhere to start. You get a starting point instead of, you know, a needle in a haystack situation. and. I, I, I've shared this story before, but one time that was really useful was I was preparing an episode of Linux Action News, and I remembered that Manifest version 3 web extensions were controversial, and they were a Google idea that Mozilla resisted. But I didn't understand why Firefox was going to be the first to ship them when Mozilla was one of the largest proponents, and now Chrome isn't shipping them yet. And I, I couldn't understand how we got from A to B. And in a conversational style, I essentially interviewed ChatGPT about the question. And when it would say something that I thought was the most interesting, I'd ask for a link. And I got the complete background context between what it provided me and by the links that I went and read. I was able to bring myself completely up to speed on a subject where I'm not even sure where I would have started. Maybe I would have started in some of the mailing lists, but it was able to link me to the specific discussion in a Google Chrome development mailing list, which is super deep and wide. And that was extremely useful. And I was like, wow, this thing just saved me like two hours of research. You got to check it.
1: You got to check it. But, and obviously, you you don't necessarily trust it out of the box. But it's this is the thing. right? These are early days. And I, I kind of feel the extremist sort of, you know. It's going to eat the world and the counterpoint. It's just crap and a toy and blah, blah, blah are both wrong right it's yeah it is probably going to be important it's something i'm really focusing on and more, less co-pilot specifically but like the whole idea of open ai chat gtp and things like it um it does remind me a little bit how just much data there is out there that's freely accessible that if you have enough computational power you can churn through and come up with some pretty interesting. Uh, and isn't it interesting how
0: it can surface stuff that Google search doesn't surface? Yes. Like it's looking at stuff and under making connections that even Google search hasn't
1: been able to make. Exactly. And if you're using Sydney, it can go crazy and like, you know. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um. You know, our buddy Brent is over in Berlin right now. He's just spent the last week in the NextCloud office. Well, during the day. And the reason is, is because they've just launched Nextcloud Hub Four, and one of the big innovations is the integration of OpenAI, Stable Diffusion, and Whisper. So you have um, different, like you get an API basically for the Open an OpenAI an open account, and then you can pull in ChatGPT. Uh, you, I, I, don't know how it's doing Stable Diffusion. I don't know if it's running that locally or if it's doing it in the cloud. I haven't looked into that. And then Whisper, I believe, is running locally, and Whisper does the transcription. And they do this now through what they call a smart picker, which is like a launcher. And you can just, in the middle of a chat, you can invoke stable diffusion to generate like a Picard beam image for you. Nice. But where I actually found it, yeah, it's fun. But where I actually found it compelling and useful, and we have it turned on on the Jupyter Broadcasting Nextcloud, is in the Notes app. I'm taking notes, and I I was making a note about an oil change. And I just invoked chat GPT. And I just ask it to give me the basic steps for a basic oil change. And then two seconds later, I had a note with a nine-step oil change process that I could review and tweak and customize to my specific car. And then boom, I was done. And it was just right there. I had that note completed to have it and have it integrated in as a template. So another example I saw in a video was somebody opened up NextCloud Docs and uh, asked for the basic outline of a resignation letter or something like that. And then they just tweak the details and boom, they got a resignation letter. you know <laughs> it's going to be a lot of a lot of that kind of stuff for a bit too, but the it's it's actually a useful integration it's not just hype and then they're they're pairing that with their own ethical AI rating system. they're not really suggesting this as a standard for others, but it's one that they're going to follow, and they're going to just kind of label different quote unquote AI software packages based on how much data they might leak to the cloud provider or if it's all local or whatever. So that way people will have an idea with a with a labeling system uh what what this back end software knows about you and who it shares it with and uh if it quote unquote is ethical. It's an interesting idea and I think we might see something like this take off more in the future.
1: Yeah, I think it is interesting. I mean it's, you know, I can, I can think of all kinds of interesting use cases for this sort of thing, too. Um, yeah, it's just have an open mind, folks. I know a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, um, freedom hate on CodePilot, I'd say. But the wider ramifications are super interesting. And, you know, I could even see like a spinoff of it used as a teaching tool for, let's say, boot camp developers right? super junior people. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so like where it knows what you're trying to, because you have a set curriculum and kind of walks you through it, analyzes your code as you make mistakes and, you know, holds your hand.
0: Yeah. We're going to see a lot of that. Yep. Uh, I, ha- I saw a chat. I, I guess I listened to a chat GPT powered radio station. Have you heard about this?
1: No, that sounds great.
0: It's crazy. So uh, it's a tech demo mostly by a company that like sort of sells AI solutions but they have a real radio stream. I think they're transmitting in some small town and it plays the hits and it does transitions because it knows what the playlist is. So it can go look up information about the track and the artist. And it does the DJ thing where it talks about the song and the, and the track that's playing right now. And they're packaging this up as a product that will be sold to markets to just run radio stations so and it's got it does voice obviously and the voice sounds legit I think at first glance you might not even realize that it's a it's a generated voice if you listen for a while you can start to tell but I found it good enough that I probably listened for a couple of hours nice it's it's really I don't know it's a wild uh, it's a wild world we live into Uh, I live in right now I will put a link in the show notes because the urls kind of Kind of weird, but I'll put it in the live chat, too, if people want to check it out and play a little music.
1: But it's out there right now. I'm actually uh, writing myself a chat GPT uh, extension, script, whatever, to go through. I use SavvyCal, which is one of these, like, book a time if you want to learn about Alice kind of things, right? Uh Uh-huh. And just the aggressive amounts of spam bookings you can get from people who are so not dedicated to being good spammers that they'll put like my name is Rick, <laughs> and I have like three fields there. Your name, first of all, you should give a full name. The company you you are calling regarding, and you know how can Alice help you? What's what's your you know what's your deal, right? It's like my name is Rick, company I don't know. Literally somebody it just happened. Somebody put IDK, <laughs> and then in the how can Alice help? I chatting nice. And I am like okay, that's obvious spam, right? And and honestly, this is terrible. But and I know it's not always true. The most obvious sign of spam is if the email address is like at yahoo.com.
0: Yeah. Probably not a serious business.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, you you didn't you couldn't spring for the GoDaddy domain there. You couldn't couldn't get the email box from Hover. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> probably a bad sign.
0: Tailscale.com slash coder. Go there to get a free personal account for up to 20 devices. That's not a trial. It's not a limited time thing. You can use Tailscale for free for up to 20 devices. Now, what is Tailscale? It's a zero config VPN that you can get up and running on your devices in minutes. And unlike old school clunky VPNs that send all your traffic to the endpoint, Tailscale intelligently only sends the traffic meant for your Tailscale devices to your tailnet, which means you can leave it running all the time. And that flat mesh VPN network is always available. That is a fundamental game changer. Tailscale also lets you easily manage access to private resources. You can even share with friends that also have Tailscale. And there's lots of nice services around Tailscale to make it simpler and quicker to get to your machines like Tailscale SSH. I also think Tailscale is perfect for developers who want to set up an ad hoc network while they're working on a project. I am so grateful that I can put Tailscale on a VM running here at the studio and I can put Tailscale on a cloud instance and they just can talk to each other. No firewall ports had to open up. No crazy weird day spent configuring the VPN, trying to get it work working. It, it just, it happens so smoothly and so quickly. And if you're a business, it'll tie into your existing OAuth infrastructure, including two-factor. So that's really nice. You can manage resources and share it there. Like, I can just share my resources with other members of my Jupyter Broadcasting organization. You quickly create a network between your servers, your computers, your mobile devices, all of it, and you'll be blown away by the range of Linux and architectures and operating systems in general that TailScale supports. They really just blow it out of the park. And even when you're separated by really difficult carrier-grade NAT or gnarly firewalls that really restrict what allows inbound and outbound, TailScale can navigate that. They've spent time engineering that to make it work great. And then they have nice features like TailScale Send. Tailscale Send is like airdrop for all of your Tailscale devices. It doesn't matter the OS. You can move data between them quickly and securely. And Tailscale is also my go-to for family members, computers that need a little bit of SSH or RDP love from uh, me remotely, if you get my drift. I have it run on everything, you guys, and I'm a big fan. It's changed the way I network. I no longer have inbound ports on any of my firewalls, and I'm doing more stuff remotely than ever. Tailscale truly flattened out my networks between all my different places and it really has been a massive enabler for remote work and getting access to all of my resources and doing things better right doing things secure instead of over the open public internet go try it out and get it for free for up to 20 devices at tailscale.com/coder it's tailscale.com/coder <laughs> So you you hinted at a little GPT-4 stuff and uh, I uh, I see a GPT-4 challenge in the dock here. I'm curious what's going on over there.
1: Uh, yeah, so I have been fooling around with the GPT-4 API, or I should say GPT-API, obviously GPT-4, you know, you're, 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 there's a little bit of a wait list for that API, but I'm on it. I'm waiting. It's uh, the same API, so <laughs> yay. The model's just smarter. I've been using GPT-4 itself to kind of, help with my favorite busy work uh accounting so i obviously i'm not filing any you know required government paperwork via it but it's pretty decent at stuff that's like tell me you know what the net loss in this document was or the net po- you know profit whatever wow yep
0: that's handy jeez
1: yes it is
0: and it's all available over an API. That's really something. They're going to make so much money.
1: It is. Yep. The API And the API has a Python node. <laughs> of course. Of course. What's the third one? I don't remember the third one. It, it might. I don't think it's Rust. So sorry. Sorry, crap people. You uh, guys are shoot. in the cold yet again. I was hoping. Oh, no. The third one is just you can just use the API in any language you want. But there's SDKs like. You know, package the best case for Python and Node. Because if something exists, there's an NPM package for it. Definitely. 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 Yeah. What do you think? Do you
0: think they're going to slowly turn the price up on this? Or do you think that there's going to be so many AI as a service options out there that the market's going to keep the rates low?
1: I think both. I think the price is too low right now, but it's going to go up, but it's not going to be dramatic. But the amount of competition. Is, is going to force prices to stabilize.
0: You know, it just triggers that whole, like, if you build something on this, then they can just rug pull you nerve in, in me. That's like, oh, the only thing I don't like about this is that you can't run this on your own infrastructure. This is hard to start to, like, build a whole business around it. Yeah, that ship has sailed, though, right? I think so. I think, I mean, definitely with this. Yeah. This definitely seems like the line in the sand because just the scale of these models the resources required and then the competitive nature of this means that they're going to be iterating. So the, I would imagine resources required are just going to exponentially grow. You just, I mean, I mean, maybe you could get a, a small, you know, purpose built model and a system that's small enough that if you're just doing something kind of like very purpose built, maybe it could run locally, but.
1: Well, well, people are probably going to end up doing and wink, wink, uh, you know, foreshadowing here is building smaller scale custom applications using chat gpt for specific use cases so because you can also train it to care about your specific you know uh, context right and yeah the at least as of now the api pricing is pretty generous so it i would can't think of a case where building your own model would ever make sense since all the natural see i i been doing this bot development stuff for a while right and i can tell you just like api wise ChatGPT, the language processing is so much better than what came before definitely is yeah so even like ironically their partner microsoft the microsoft lewis engine when it first came out i thought was super impressive but was such a pain in the butt like you had to have so many special cases for everything and every once in a while it would be like i know you're talking about a car but have you considered a jet?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's also a form of transportation. Look at me go. And it's
1: like, no, no, crackhead, let's let's just keep moving.
0: This has me thinking though, I was wondering before we started the show, do you feel like a little validated? Like you were a little early to the game, but now it's clear that there is market interest in these bots? Because I think, you know, there's been a larger than expected demand response. And at first I thought it was hype and I thought it would go away, but now Sales numbers are starting to come out. People are actually interested in this stuff. And large tech titans are fighting like hell to be
1: king. So there's something here. I am putting the pedal down like I have Bill Clinton's uh, blue dress of fame and three kilos of cocaine in my car. (laughs) And there's 15 Republican cops behind me. All right. So Bill Clinton's car. (laughs) Yeah, I'm in Bill Clinton's. It's just his car. Honestly, I thought it was mine. You know, it was a Tesla. And my app unlocked it by accident. They all look alike, too. Yeah, and your app unlocks it. So, yeah, no, I, I, I do feel validated. I also feel like I got to go, go, go. I'm a little foreshadowing. Keep an eye on the TMB website over the next week or two. Things are going to rapidly evolve. Right. I mean,
0: you've been out there selling purpose-built bots to companies, trying to, like, you know, explain why this is good. And now you have the big tech companies doing it
1: for you. Well, now I can just you say know. the magic word, ChatGPT, right? Yeah, yeah,
0: ChatGPT integration,
1: right? So yeah, they really
0: got themselves a hot product. That you're right, it's the kind of thing that when you put that logo on the side of your proverbial box, it just brings a little brand cachet
1: to the product. Yep. It. Uh, it I'm having flashbacks to 2008. Yeah. So I'm. I mean, I you, privately I showed you some of the stuff I was doing, and uh, it'll all be out next week. I will tell you again, I know I shouldn't.
0: But I just come back to thinking, it's so funny how Google missed this.
1: <laughs> it's weird that they screwed this up, right? Like,
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And yeah. good old Microsoft I, I, missed mobile completely. They're like, nah, we're in. We're in. We're in this time. Yeah.
0: And I think the reason why I'm kind of enthusiastic about specifically the chat GPT stuff isn't because I think it's so incredible or we're going to change everything. It's because it isn't going to take our gerbs, but it is handy. And it so it sits in that nice little Spot where I'm like, oh, I, I'm actually going to use this a few times a week at least. And, um, you know, it's not going to, like, replace a podcaster anytime soon. So I don't I, I actually think it's really in that sort of sweet spot. And CB was talking in our Matrix chat room this morning about how he uses ChatGPT to create a kid's book. And I've done something similar. So this is a pro tip for the dads and mums out there. Uh, CB writes, I've been generating kids stories and telling ChatGPT to write a children's book with a short paragraph per page. Then I generate a stable diffusion prompt with that to go with each page. Then I use a classic animation checkpoint to generate the image. My next step is to order a photo book. As a board book for my boy,
1: using the generated images and story. Your next step is to write the Python script that this needs to be to automate this entire process. And every month, you get a mode. I know. I it's it's right there, right? It's it's right there. That's a product.
0: It's a product. Yeah. You could you could make a little web page. Well, not little, but you could make a web page that dads like us go to and uplo- upload. Uh, you know, a, a short story or what I did this weekend, even is I went to ChatGPT and the kids wanted a bedtime story. And over the years, I've I've kind of worked in their dog Levi and a red squirrel and just a couple of like characters. So I just went to ChatGPT while they're, while they're asking for the bed. Dad, and I'm, you know, I pull out my phone, f- Firefox, ChatGPT, give me a kid's bedtime story that works in a red squirrel and a dog named Levi. Enter. And spits out a great little short, you know, three or four or five paragraph kid bedtime story
1: that ends on a nice note. And uh, they loved it. And what's not to love? I mean, I... Uh, right. There's a South Park episode I strongly recommend everybody see. I can't say that after watching it, I had ChatGPT respond to my wife's text messages. I definitely will not admit to that directly. Oh, my,
0: oh my God. Mm-hmm. That is so brilliant. I have behind the scenes been complaining verbosely about just being completely overwhelmed by... Uh, community DMs and messages because we just you know shows are doing great, Matrix is doing great, just Twitter, Telegram, it's right, it's blown, it's blown up all the time. If I could auto respond,
1: and now we've all added Mastodon, yeah, oof.
0: yeah, yeah, Twitter, Mastodon, yeah. If I could auto respond, that'd be that'd be some serious, powerful stuff. Even if it wasn't 100 percent accurate, if it like auto responded and then sent me like into like one central chat thread like hey just you need to check this when you get a point i responded with this but you probably should follow up and make sure that's accurate or something anything like that would be
1: awesome also i just want to say chat gpt it does know its way to a lady's heart (laughs) it did the job huh (laughs) uh if they're not going to take our jobs i'm worried about some other things though yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's going to be a movie you watch that's going to be the plot for a movie soon you know it already was a movie right the old movie uh tilt there's an old movie from 19, I think 2000 or 1999. Oh. AI. It's, uh, you, you might remember this. It's one where the, the couple's kid dies, and they adopt. There's this company that sells AI little kid bots. Yeah, a robot. Robot. And there is a AI. He gets thrown out because I think he accidentally hurt somebody or something. And there is an AI gigolo, like a robot gigolo that he meets in like, weird robot circus hell. Now, the AI cannot stop gin from spilling on my laptop. There's no intelligence or force. <laughs> circus freak. Hey, you know,
0: Monday mornings, or uh, afternoons, depending on where you're at, jupiter.tube, and of course our Matrix room's going all the time, but it's definitely popping during the live stream at coder.show slash matrix. It's a, uh, I, I, tr- I try not to sound uh, like I'm hyping it up, But I am trying to say that I think these are actually going to be useful tooling. Now, the ironic thing is, is that now that the tech industry has found something semi-useful, they are going to go into hyperbolic hype mode. It's ridiculous. They need a win so bad right now. The tech industry. You mean like Web3?
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, that was, you know, that's what some of the investors are saying as well. The the Web3 thing didn't work out, but. You know, this AI stuff, this is where it's at. I mean, I've literally, literally seen that. Not even not even a fake literally, a real literally.
1: You see, you know what the difference between this and Web3? And I will even give the Web3 guys a few things. There are limited use cases where that makes sense. They just tend to mostly be banks. Um, or, you know, the NSA, I guess, because they love everything. Hi, guys. You enjoying the show today? Hey. I'm filing <laughs> my income taxes. Please leave me alone. Um... <laughs> most businesses let's forget about the consumer side because it's not my strong suit but most customers i like to serve right medium businesses the barring the military crap medium businesses to becoming large businesses this is why alice sold right this is why alice still sells they have crap that's been laying around data wise that needs to be automated and checked. integrating chat GPT or something like it is just going to make that kind of stuff easier. It's also going to make the, I mean, maybe Chris probably can relate to this and maybe some of you in the audience can. It is so easy just to mess up mundane business reporting and like, you know, compliance tasks. Oh yes. Oh yeah. Fines are, are substantial (laughs) to say the least. And I, I personally would love to have an AI just like behind me being like, hey, dumbass, if you file, they'll file that form today. Uh, New Jersey is going to charge you 500 bucks, even though you had it done. You just forgot to hit the button. Right. Or, hey, dumbass, Man. you've put the wrong number of employees in the wrong states because, you know, workman's comp is a thing. Right.
0: It makes um, the uh, home assistant like smart tubes that we have now, like Alexa and uh, cancel and Google Home and uh, Siri seems so, so basic now.
1: Yeah, I mean, how come Siri has never fallen in love with me and become a creepy stalker?
0: I can't even explain it. We all do it, so I can't explain <laughs> that. But you could, you know, if they could integrate more fun. Like I've always wanted, I've always wanted something that could be a little more proactive. Yep. Like, hey, I've noticed a couple of conflicts coming up on your calendar, or hey, there's an email in your inbox that's got a question that's relevant to this other, th- re- re- you know, you know, reference to something else you're working on. I don't know. I don't. I don't want it to get too creepy, but it's it's. The potential is pretty high if uh, they can actually execute. That's where I remain a little skeptical. I think when you start talking about what's possible
1: versus what's actually going to happen, we'll see. You know, we'll see how far they take it. Right. Again, I'm talking my own book a little bit. But initially, what's going to make the most sense is they're implementing this to augment business automation. Yeah. Right. Very boring stuff. That. Is really just data management, I see the consumer side gets super messy right because it, it's it's just weird consumer stuff is weird, I don't know,
0: yeah, I think you're right. I think it's going to be a it's helping businesses manage the debt they've built up over the years of you know documentation and just p- policies and procedures and all this crap going through that, sorting through that, and giving people a simple human interface that. Everybody from a brand new hire to somebody who's been working there for like as long as the company can just talk to this thing and it'll give them the answers they need is going to be a massive productivity boost because it doesn't require training them to use a special interface with SQL search syntax and, you know, all that kind of stuff like it was back in my day. You just go to the bot now in your whatever chat app that you use and just ask it a question and it's going to be able to retrieve it for you. And businesses will pay for that because it's going to make all of their employees more efficient. And if you get something wrong, you'll be able to just blame the bot.
1: Ask not what your podcast can boost for you, but what you can boost for your podcast.
0: Well, Sir Sean of the Hogany Valley boosted him with 150,650 sats and says, please keep up the Linux nerdiness. Uh, he says you can drop the last significant digit for my zip code. Hey, Richard! L- Sir Sean also boosted Linux Unplugged, and so I think we looked him up on on Linux Unplugged. So thank you for boosting both shows, Sir Sean. And uh, I love the zip code boost, too. So if you're a Coder Radio listener and you want to boost in with your zip code as the SAT amount, we'll look you up and see where you're at. And uh, we're spying on you right now, looking at you right now. I'm looking to see what I like to see. We'll see for Sean. Does Sean have a uh, fitness gym, Planet Fitness? Do they have a plan? Yep, he's got a Planet Fitness. There you go. Nartona Heights? I'm not even sure how you say that, but he's in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So, thank you, Sean. Thank you for the uh large boost, too. Dave Jones, the the pod sage comes in with 12,345 sats. I'd like to lodge a protest. You'd never get that beautiful sizzle that you played from turkey bacon. You have forced my hand. I have to classify that bacon fry as fake news. He's right. You
1: got me, Dave. That was indeed a proper bacon sample. That, that, was a, that was a truth bomb right on us.
0: Yeah, he got us. He called us out. He got us. It's cool. It's cool. I'll try to do better, Dave. Uh, Dave comes in with another boost with 100,000 sats. Oh! Hey, Heard on 510 that you had some bad news. Indeed. Here's a baller boost. Hope it helps. It does. It does. I am very concerned about the rest of this year. And uh, the baller boosts are a nice little ray of sunshine. I am—I don't know. I—I <laughs> I have heard from so many podcasters who say they cannot sell ads anymore that they have, and then the, and then the ones that do sell, they're coming in at just bottom rate, just rock bottom
1: prices, and they're for like things that you probably don't want to hear as advertised too. <laughs> so <laughs> even those mattress people stop buying ads. I mean, it, <laughs> once you can't sell a mattress ad in a box, it's time to—it's sad. Um. Did you hear that Like
0: NPR just laid off 10% of their staff, which was all in the podcasting
1: division because they can't make any money now? It's crazy. You know what? We talk about show stuff online. I think the way to go, you know better than me, of course, is not ads like we traditionally do, but more kind of like... It's not named Imus, but basically Imus in the morning or Howard Stern stuff where you do like a segment on the thing. Mm -hmm. And you know who I'm stealing this from, right? Who? You notice there's a lot of uh, sponsored content on The Verge these days. Ah, no, I don't. I haven't. But that's interesting. Yeah, it's like how to use the CLR camera or whatever, right? SLR rather. Camera. It's brought to you by Canon and it just so happens to be that camera. (laughs) Yeah, Linus Tech Tips does that quite a bit, too. No, they get hacked all the time, too, though, so. <laughs> ah, nice one. <laughs> and they like to delete their uh their gnome desktop. So, it yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: They are I will give Linus Tech Tips uh credit for being up very upfront when it's a sponsored episode, but
1: yeah, I actually like Linus Tech Tips. I think their uh yeah. their Mac reviews are pretty funny because they always end with and it costs way too much. Yeah. Yeah. We're building our own Windows machine.
0: I can sometimes see a little bit of the lifestyle that Linus has to lead to run that company, and I can see it's hollowing him out. So I do worry about that a little bit. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. I may be projecting, but... Space Ninja comes in with 45,604 beautiful sets. I hoard that which your kind covet. He says, I had some trouble figuring out Fountain, so I think this might have been a, a, a double boost. He says, go ahead and enjoy it. Hey, guys, I'm boosting my boring zip code. It's a tech desert and a shrinking home of uh, the falling Rosetta Stone. Mm. I just want to say I've been loving you guys' takes on SVB and the TikTok mess. Hope you guys are well. Well, Space Ninja, I messed it up because I, I, uh, I counted for both your boosts. But thank you very much. And um, you know what? You know what? A tech desert, at least it gets great solar. Weird, but true. Only, I guess, real solars do. Well, only real deserts do, not actual metaphorical deserts, I suppose. <laughs> so
1: True. He could be in, like, you know the north with you and the ice caves. Yeah,
0: <laughs> Scott comes in with a thousand sats. Young buck here. I just wish I didn't start uh, the TikTok shorts thing and instead hunkered down with Star Trek like you guys. I don't have TikTok, but I have to uninstall and I have to uninstall Instagram and YouTube apps because my because they're just TikTok clones now and they're so addictive. Hopefully the fad burns out. Cheers. Isn't that funny how they just jump around like that? Yeah.
1: YouTube shorts have sucked my kids in and I'm trying to get them to stop. Yeah, it's bad. It is. It's Scott. Ugh. You you need to just right away. You got to dive into some next generation Star Trek. Yeah. You're going to get through the first season. You're just going to just going to get through. it. It's not that bad. Mm-hmm. It's not that good. Yep.
0: Maybe, maybe drink through the first season, you
1: know, while you're watching. Well, he said he was a young buck. He could be underage. Oh, right. <laughs> okay. All right. So get really stoned. No, <laughs> you might be in denver i mean that might be okay i don't know but
0: yeah that's not a tech desert yeah it's uh usually where there's a tech desert they usually have uh aggressive cannabis laws too so like what do they call those the
1: blue laws like the no drinking on certain days the dry laws or whatever yeah um and just the key is you got to turn your phone on to do not disturb them ah because there will be times when picard is having a heart-to-heart with the klingon And the Klingon is pretending not to care, but you know he cares. And then they become besties. This happens. But you'd miss that if your phone interrupted you. Well, no, you'll just be like, this is boring. Let me go be on my phone. Oh, I see. You need to build up your Star Trek addiction.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think Next Gen is a good on-ramp. I agree. Um, Unless, you know, like you said, he is a young buck. So I also put the caveat that Strange New Worlds might be a decent place. But I think Strange New Worlds is great when you love Star Trek. Yeah. I don't know if it's great if you're coming in cold. if you're coming in cold, because there's a lot of like service. like, remember this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Next Gen really wanted to be its own thing for a while. And yeah. so, it, yeah, I, yeah, I, okay. I can't, I disagree. mean, if you
1: miss the 60s though, you can't go wrong with the original series. No, no, you cannot. If
0: the Golden Dragon comes in with 2048 sats. Just a live boost to remind folks that jblive.fm, the audio stream, is great for those who can't use the video stream. Epic. Yeah, we do jblive.fm. We do an audio stream, which is great for the -the on-the-go folks, or if you just don't care about the video. And then our last boost, just a nice simple one from Hal Was Right, comes in with 2,100 sats. Coming in hot with the boost. Says, thanks, guys. Well, thanks you, Hal. Thanks you. Thanks you much. Uh, thank you, everybody who boosted in. If you would like to boost, there's two paths before you. You can join the Podcasting 2 revolution with mm-hmm. new features and standards and new ways to discover podcasts at newpodcastapps.com. Or you can keep your damn app and just go get Albie, com. You top it off either in the app or through something like the Cash or Strike app. Then you head over to the podcast index, find the Coda Radio program, which we have linked in the show notes. And you can boost right there from their web page. You don't even have to switch apps. And then when your favorite app does come around, like your, you know, your uh, maybe one day your Pocket Cast, maybe, they're most likely just going to integrate Albi and you'll be good to go already. And then I also want to say a big thank you to our members. This is something that I think was, is going to determine the make or break it. like If the market does really take a downturn, it's the shows with strong membership support that will survive. And the shows that don't, won't. And I am so grateful that we have the members there to invest in the ongoing production. So that way we can make sure the Coder program keeps on going. You can become a member and get an ad-free version of the show as a thank you at CoderQA.co. We do owe you a Coderly. We just, between schedules, kids, and health, it has been crazy. This is always a tricky thing. But maybe we'll do like a makeup one or something. Or a special one at some point. We should do like a holiday Coder. We should do like a time. holiday one, yeah. Like an
1: Easter one where we dress up as creepy bunnies.
0: (laughs) For an audio show.
1: For an audio show.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Mr. Dominic, is there anywhere you want to send
1: the good people this week before we get out of here? Hell yeah. (laughs) Uh, How about alice.dev and wink wink if you're interested in some automation goodness. uh, I'd get on that now because prices are going up soon. Yeah, now is the time, right? Now
0: is the time. It sure is. And uh, here's a little bacon to go out with. This is a genuine, locally sourced bacon. And uh, like an animal, I'm going to dip it in some maple. Goddamn Canadians. But uh, you can find links to what we talked about today at coder.show slash 511. That's right. It's the tactical version of Coder Radio, coder.show slash 511. The pod is on the tweets at Coder Radio Show. The matrix is always rolling at coder.show slash matrix. That is the modern chat room of the future. And of course, the live stream, jupiter.tube, Mondays at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern. You can also hit us up at JVLive.tv. We like it either way. Thanks so much for listening to this episode, and we'll see you right back here next week on Coda Radio.